Let me invite you to take your Bibles and go with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Today we're going to wrap up our series on running with giants. Uh, It's been in this series we've looked at different heroes of the faith, uh, their their faith and how it plays out in their life and then how it can play out in our life. And there's no better way to end this series uh, than to look at Jesus because he's our ultimate hero. He's the one who gives us life everlasting. And so this morning I want to look there. Uh, As you're looking there at your scripture, in uh, 2003, Lynn Swan finally uh, came into the Hall of Fame, NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, Those of you who followed Lynn Swan's career know that he played for Pittsburgh Steelers. He only played about eight or nine years and and in that eight or nine years, he missed several games for different things uh, because of health, injuries, those types of things. And so it took 14 years for him to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And if you'll go and watch his introduction speech, and you'll quickly learn that there is this bitterness uh, with Lynn Swan. There's a bitterness in the sense that He didn't get there sooner, that he didn't make the Hall of Fame uh, earlier in his life. It took 14 years. He kept kept arguing 14 years. In 14 years, I've learned patience. I learned lots of things. But yet, undertone of the whole thing was bitterness. In fact, what we later learned was Terry Bradshaw, who was Lynn's quarterback wrote in a book that Lynn blamed him that he didn't make it to the Hall of Fame sooner. And Bradshaw even later was asked about his remarks on Lynn Swan and he just said, you know, what a great day it was for him to be inducted into the Hall of Fame and why he wanted to bring something so controversial up on a day that's supposed to be a highlight of your career. And so I thought about that, and I thought, how much bitterness is like cancer? I mean, bitterness is like cancer in that it eats at us, and it eats the host. It causes us to say and do things. It causes us to think things that we know aren't how we should behave or how we should act. But bitterness is one of those things that just keeps driving at us. And so this morning, as we come into Thanksgiving week, as we come into one just went off. There, I'm back now. <laughs> He's going. I didn't touch it. Maybe it was God. As we come into the end of this series, we're going to look at Jesus. I want to look at a thought process of of forgiveness. Or forgiveness. Hey, let's just do this. Let's go to here. So you can't have a thankful heart without recognizing who Jesus is. Amen? And so as we come to this text this morning, I want you to see Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And what Calvary means for you and for me. Because it is on Calvary that we can find the freedom from bitterness. 
It is on Calvary that Christ takes all our sins and removes them. So if you have your Bible and you're at uh, Luke chapter 23, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word? We're going to pick up in verse 35 of Luke 23. The people stood there watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him. Don't you even fear God? Since you are under the same punishment, we are punished justly because we were getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Father, today I pray that you would remind us of Calvary, that you went and sent your son to die on a cross to forgive us of our sins, to forgive us of the hatred, the bitterness, to forgive us from all of those things. Help us to live in that today. Help us to have a thankful heart. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this text, I want to give you three things that Jesus does in the, in the text um, as we see this. So uh, for you and I this morning, the big idea is really simply this. God sent his son to redeem us and to be an example for us. Uh, we're to reflect his life to those around. So catch that. Jesus came to redeem us, but also he sets an example and because of that, we are to reflect him to those around us. So as we look at this text, here's three things Jesus does on the cross. The first one is Jesus was mocked. He was mocked. On that day, they all gathered around and they were making fun of Jesus. The, the terminology there is used three different ways in the text there in the opening, opening scriptures. It tells us that they scoffed at him, they mocked at him, and they were yelling insults at him. They were blaspheming is the the Greek word that we get there of what they were doing to Jesus they were making fun of him they were ridiculing him they were having their way with him and it wasn't it wasn't just a little it was a lot in fact Mark tells us in Mark uh, 15 he tells us this those who passed by were yelling insults at him shaking their heads and saying ha the one who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in these three days. Save yourself by the coming down from the cross. Here's the thing. They were so consumed. They, they, they were so consumed with what's going on. Luke tells us that these people who were mocking him even said he saved others. Why can't he save himself? In other words, they recognized that Jesus had power. 
They recognized what he did to Lazarus, to others that he healed. They had seen Jesus' powers, and yet they were laughing and mocking at him at this moment. If he could do such a thing, why can't he save himself? The problem is they can't see the forest for the trees. They're so consumed with their bitterness and hatred for Jesus, they're missing who he really is. And they're coming to this point, and the only, real, uh, the only re reality they have is that they'll worship him if he can come off that cross and live. Other than that, all the other things that he's done don't matter. They don't matter. And so they just make fun of him. They mock him. They say insults and other things to him. Here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. You'll never reflect Christ if you don't receive Christ. Catch that. You'll never reflect Christ if you don't receive Christ. Over the years, there have been people who who've been frustrated with different ones who come into church. Not, not Glasgow Baptist, but just church in general. Well, they don't know how to behave. They don't act right. Here's the problem. You can't ask a lost person to act like a saved person because they don't know Jesus. And sometimes we get so caught up in wanting them to act a different way, but they, they can't act that way because they don't know Christ. And so these people who are mocking Jesus this day, they've never, they've never received Christ. So they can't reflect Christ. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't, they don't know he's the Messiah. All they see is a man that they hated. All they see is a man who tried to overthrow the government. All they see is a man who was a threat to them. And so... Their natural response was to mock Jesus. And so there's Jesus being mocked. The second thing I want you to catch from the text is Jesus remained holy. He remained holy. Now here's the thing. I love this about this text is that Jesus remains holy. And the whole time we see Jesus on the cross, what does he do? All these insults are being thrown at him. All these things people are saying about him. He is just hanging there on the cross. He doesn't say... Wait till my father gets you. He doesn't say, I know who you are. He doesn't say, I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say bounces off me and sticks on you. He does none of that. He just hangs there on the cross. He hangs there and he remains holy. He does not participate. He does not get into throwing jabs. He does not get into making fun of them. He does not do any of that. The only thing we read in this encounter is the first thing Jesus says. We, we read it in Luke 23, verse 34, right before we started this morning, our text. Verse 34 says, Jesus said, Father, catch this, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Let me ask you, in the midst of 
anger and bitterness towards somebody in your life, do you ask for forgiveness? Do you pray that type of prayer for them? Or is your prayer, Lord, rain down fire from heaven on them? Lord, would you just stomp them out? Lord, if they could just lose their job, Lord, I hope they're miserable. Would you just make their life? Is that your prayer? Jesus sat there. They mocked him. They made fun of him. They kept pushing against him. And he just continued. He remained holy. And here's the thing. Let's, let's be careful because sometimes we get into these conversations and we stop and go, well, duh, he's holy because he's the son of God. But what we forget is he left heaven and became fully man here on earth. What does that mean? That means he had every emotion you and I have. Did he have anger? Yeah. Did he have frustration? Read the, the New Testament and see how he talks with his disciples from time to time. Yes, there was frustration. Was there moments that drove him crazy? I'm sure when his mother showed up and says, hey, I need you to do this. There were all these types of emotions going on. So let's, let's not just overlook and go, well, because he's Jesus, he at this moment is just so, it's easy for him to, to bypass these insults. No, if you remember Jesus' prayer in the garden, Father, if, let this cup pass, but not my will, your will be done. In other words, hey, if, if, if this can happen, and, or if this doesn't have to happen, that'd be great, but your will be done. He has all these emotions, and so he goes and experiences all these things. Let me encourage you to write this one down. You don't reflect Christ while participating in evil. You don't reflect Christ while you are participating in evil. Those evil thoughts that you have towards people. That's not a, a Christ-like heart or attitude. And those moments when you secretively, secretively do something to get revenge. That's not a Christ-like attitude. When you work behind the scenes to see somebody stumble and fall, that's not a Christ-like attitude. You can never reflect Christ when you're participating in evil. Now, now understand this. We'll all have evil thoughts, amen? Now, you are very weak there. You didn't know if you should say amen or uh-uh. Listen, we all have evil thoughts. It happens right? Somebody makes us mad. Somebody, listen, for some of you, you get mad when the car in front of you cuts you off. Or if you drive through the drive-thru and you don't get what you wanted in your bag. So, so we have those thoughts. But here's the thing. Those thoughts are going to happen. It's how we respond when those thoughts come into our life. It's, it's how we, we respond when we do we give it a second thought and encourage it or do we quickly dismiss it? Do we, do we 
spend our day going, oh, I'm going to get them? Or do we quickly dismiss it and say, get away from me? I mean, the thoughts are going to come. We're human. But it's how we handle those thoughts. We can never reflect Christ while we're participating in evil. So the, the, the deal is we've got to come to a place and we've got to move away from that. Paul tells us to be holy because he is holy. I mean, we, we've got to reflect Christ. So we see Jesus being mocked. We see Jesus being holy. And thirdly, we see Jesus offering forgiveness. It's this forgiveness. Let's spend a little time here. Forgiveness. All, all these things are happening. And these criminals are shouting things at him or these people are shouting things at him. And yet in the midst of all this, we find Jesus offering forgiveness. But, but let's think a moment for, about the, the thieves on the cross. I mean, let's, let's be honest. They didn't just shoplift at the local 7-Eleven and get on a cross. They're not there because they had too many speeding tickets in their chariots. No, the cross is for the most hardened of all criminals. We don't know what these two men did. We only know that they're there in this moment. We know that there is a reason for them to be there. In fact, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's just take a, take a moment. Have you ever thought why there's three crosses? I mean, give, give it some thought. Why three? We only need one cross for us to be here today. That's the cross of Christ. We don't need the other two crosses. In fact, if the other two crosses are there with the thieves and not Jesus, we're not here today in this moment. Why three? I think the three gives us a picture of this world. We've got these, we've got these criminals who are on the cross. Both of them are both hurling insults at Jesus. Now, we don't read that in, in Luke's account. We read that in Mark's account. Mark 15, 32 tells us, the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him taunted him. Even those, meaning there are two criminals and both criminals are taunting Jesus and mocking Jesus. So what happens between this moment and now this moment when Jesus offers forgiveness. What takes place at that moment? Why is there a change? We don't see or hear anything in scripture. All we know is what Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And it's at that moment, I believe, that this one criminal begins to rethink what's going on here. Because at that moment, that criminal begins to realize what he's getting is justice. But this one in the middle, well, that's a different story. He doesn't deserve this. 
He doesn't deserve to be there. In fact, in, in that moment is when Jesus offers forgiveness. So what takes place? What takes place? Two words. Two words. Do you realize two words have extreme power? Two words have extreme power. Let me, let me prove it to you. I do. Changes your life forever, doesn't it? I do. Changes your life forever. How about you're fired? I quit. No more. Two words are powerful. But the two greatest words that we see in this text are remember me. Catch this. Remember me. In Luke, verse 42 of our text, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Now catch this. The criminal on the cross acknowledges Jesus as king. If there was ever a moment that Jesus didn't look like a king, it would be right now. He's hanging on a cross, struggling for his life, beaten, bruised, stripped naked. He's got a crown of thorns on his head. People have made fun of him. They've mocked him, said all sorts of things. They've tried so much. There is no moment of this that looks like a king. In fact, the historians tell us that the, the cross is so gruesome that most people couldn't stomach it. And yet for this moment, this criminal on the cross looks at Jesus and says, remember me. What changes? He sees who Jesus is. He recognizes Jesus as the king. Friends, this is a picture of the world we see hanging here with the three crosses. Catch this. Three crosses. Why three? We see one who will die in sin because he doesn't recognize who Jesus is. We see one who dies for sin because Christ comes to die for your sins and for my sins. And now we see one who dies to sin. This criminal begins to recognize who Jesus is. Three crosses reminds us of the picture of the world. That there are people still living in this world who are dying in sin. And there are people in this world who are dying to sin, but there is the difference is Jesus is in the middle. He's the reason you can go from in sin to to sin. The question is, do you recognize that? And so what we have here is in this moment, these two words, remember me, and, and I just, I love what Jesus says to him. Today you will be in paradise with me. 
Today, today you will be in paradise with me. Oh, friends, listen, it, it's, it's the only moment in Scripture that we have a deathbed confession of who Jesus is. And oh, yes, listen, this criminal, he's done a lot of bad things because he's on a cross. The world won't be able to see him change his life. That's true. But it reminds us two things. It reminds us that no matter how bad your sin is, no matter what you've done, Jesus still loves you and died for you. And the second thing, it's never too late. It's never too late to give your life to Christ. And so, thirdly, I, I tell you, when you think about forgiveness, you're unable to forgive unless you've been forgiven. We find in this moment Jesus forgiving this man. And what we know as believers is once we've experienced the forgiveness of God, we understand what forgiveness looks like. And we understand our role is to go and forgive others. Why? Because we've been forgiven. We understand that. Listen, if, if you're struggling with forgiveness this morning, stop and think about the forgiveness you received. Oh, you may not be like the hardened criminal on the cross. You may not have killed anyone. But you're just as bad. You deserve at the end of your life just what the criminal is getting, death separated from Jesus. But because he forgives you, he gives you life eternal. The question is, do you forgive because you've been forgiven? So this morning, let me give you two takeaways that we find from this, lessons we learn from Jesus. It's real simple. One is people will be offended by you. I don't care who you are. You're going to offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody um, by being too nice to them. You'll offend, offend somebody by, by saying something that they take the wrong way. Listen, you can offend somebody by a text message that means nothing, but because they can't read emotions in text messages, they'll be offended. Listen, you have to come to understand you're going to offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody by, the, by, by your stance that you take on the gospel. You'll offend somebody by your stance that you're going to take in a political arena. You're going to offend people. No two ways about it. The only people I know who try not to offend people are people who try not to make any decisions. And the only thing that they get is a splinter because they ride the fence so well. But the truth of the matter is we're all going to offend people. But the, the second takeaway is you have an opportunity to reveal Christ. So whether you meant to offend somebody or you didn't mean to offend somebody, you have an opportunity to reveal Christ. So what does that look like? That looks like living a life trying to please God 
and show God to others. So that means if you realize your brother has offended you, you go approach them and lovingly work that out. If you've offended somebody, you approach them. Because sometimes in our our day-to-day actions, we never know we offended people, do we? But yet they come to us and they tell us, I, I was offended when you did this. Other times they don't. Our responsibility in all cases is to reveal Christ, to remain holy, to remain focused on the gospel. The gospel changes everything. Therefore, we should be working to do that. The the real question is, how well do we do that? In 2013, Andre Castanier passed away. Anybody know who Andre Castanier is? I don't know why. I bet if I, if I bet not all of you, but I bet a lot of you in the room will not know Andre Castanier, but you will know what he's famous for. When he was in the early, late 50s, he invented a little magic. Um, yeah, everybody goes, oh, yeah. He, he didn't call this an Etch-A-Sketch. It didn't get its name until 1960 when the Ohio Toy Company picked it up and began making an Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah, how, how many remember Etch-A-Sketch? How, how many know where one is today at your house? Yeah, a few. I, I, I wasn't even sure we could find ours. But the Etch-A-Sketch is one of those things that, that I don't know about you, but I could sit and, and do this for hours just, just doing all sorts of things. But here's the thing. Could you really ever make a beautiful picture with an Etch-A-Sketch? Maybe somebody could, but, but most of us were. I mean, we, we would just play with this thing and we would, would make all sorts of pictures. I mean, you couldn't even make a, make a circle for a tire. You had, if you were making a vehicle, you had to make square tires, which means it didn't roll very well. But it wouldn't take long. you get into an Etch-A-Sketch and you were doing it, and all of a sudden you messed up. What did you do? And you get a blank slate. That's a sketch. Reminds me of God's forgiveness. Because here's the thing. Our lives are messed up. In many ways, our backgrounds aren't that pretty. We, we, we didn't live the life we should have. So we're constantly trying to make sense of our life when God just says, here's what I'll do. You're forgiven. You have a clean slate. Friends, that's the example Jesus set for you and I. That's that's what we need to do is learn to forgive and you go, but pastor, you, you, you don't know what they did. You don't know how they hurt me. No, you're right, I don't. 
But I know that the bitterness that you're living in is still eating at you. And as long as that's the case, you'll never have the relationship with God that he desires you to have. And in some cases, what, what people have found out over the years is they've been bitter at somebody who never knew they had hurt them. And the only person that hurt was the one who was angry. You're right, I, I don't know who's hurt you. Maybe it was a, a spouse, a child, a parent, a coworker, a boss, a company. I don't know. God does. But here's the thing. God knows everything about you, and yet he still offers you forgiveness. He wipes it away in hopes that you will do the same. This morning, as we come into Thanksgiving, we, we can't really truly have a thankful heart unless we really understand what Calvary was about. Jesus went to a cross to pay for our sins, to wipe away the, the mess, the mistake, to give us life everlasting. He sets the example for, for you and me. He causes us to do the same. So this morning, if you're here, if you've never confessed Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the first step I would tell you is just to cry out to God and say, remember me. Remember me. God loves you unconditionally. It's never too late. No matter what your baggage is, he'll remember you. Would you stand with me this morning? Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. 